Hey there and welcome back to episode three. Um, thank you ever so much for being here. Today I'm going to be talking a little bit about Margaret Porret, a very controversial, mystic and intelligent woman from the 13th century. So sit back and relax. Now, her background. Now, this woman in particular is very mysterious to me. I, for one, had never heard of her. And two, there's little to no information about her whatsoever. At first, this seemed kind of bizarre. And then as I digged a little deeper, it made a lot more sense. Um, For one, her place of birth is unknown, actually. A number of sources say she was born in the county of Hanut in the old Holy Roman Empire, which now would be Belgium as we know it. Now, what I'm about to say is merely a guess, I guess you could say, or prediction. So please do not take it as factual. Um, She could very well have been a Scorpio, right? Um, Scorpio season is from October 23rd to November 21st. People say that she was born between the year 1248 or 1250. So it could have been any of those two. And she would have been around 771 years old now. So, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Now, she's thought to have been born into a family of wealth, mainly because of of her lifestyle in that era, right? As she was an author and a mystic, she spoke French fluently and wrote a book in French too, which is our next subject, the divine book. Now, why was this woman accused of heresy, which is a repetitive act? that one can partake in or do against the church or rules of a religion, mainly is in Christianity, right? Well, basically, she had written a book called The Mirror of Simple Souls, which you should definitely check out. I read some of it. It was amazing. (laughs) So yes, which was a book about God and the journey to divinity. Her main focal point was what a soul was and what it had to leave in order to become an annihilated soul. She basically referred to two stages. The typical soul was often filled with reason and reason was a very earthly type of construct I guess you could say filled with logic whose conventional view of reality cannot comprehend God or divinity or divine love to its fullest potential right. In order to reach this unconditional or divine love and to be able to connect with God completely a soul had to leave reason in its totality because, and I quote, I am God, says love, for love is God and God is love. And this soul is God by the condition of love. I am God by divine nature and this soul is God by righteousness of love. Thus this precious beloved of mine is taught and guided by me without herself, for she is transformed into me. And such a perfect one, says love, takes my nourishment. Now, that was beautiful. She she really is an amazing writer. So please do check her out at least one time. <laughs> yes. Now, that doesn't seem so bad, right? It kind of makes sense. It's practically a repetition of what the beatific vision of the Catholic doctrine or doctrine, 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 I guess, <laughs> had at the time. So why the hell was she challenged so damn much, you may ask? (laughs) Well, for one, she had decided to write the book in Old French instead of Latin, which was what the church demanded of any book published at the time. 
They also offered her to remove the book from circulation, to which she completely refused. So yes, she was stubborn. We love that for her. <laughs> well, to put it mildly, in her book, she also explained that when one had achieved such a state of divine love and union with the creator or God, right? Earthly or material occurrences or situations or things were now of little to no importance and no consequences. Mainly because if you are with God, you can do no wrong or even sin, mainly because God is without wrong or sin, right? This completely made the church seem as a as extremely conventional idea and went over their heads because with one statement she had completely eradicated the idea that, that the church had any power or authority whatsoever. The church also believed that this couldn't be made possible because anyone that had the concept that whatever they did was above ordinary demands of virtue, basically church rules or whatever, right, were automatically seen as immoral. The church then took this kind of as a threat, really. They took it too personal, in my opinion. <laughs> but anyways, they took it as a threat against their whole institution and, like, belief system. So they decided to charge her with hearsay and imprisoned her for around a year and a half before her trial. Similar to Joan of Arc, they also imprisoned her along with men instead of in a woman's prison, which, to me, like, do you really think she's not going to be harassed? Come on, have a little common sense, you know? But anyways, now her trial. After a year and a half of imprisonment, um, somewhat, Margaret Portine was finally given a trial. In this trial, a handful of things happened. For one, she refused to speak to any inquisitors during her imprisonment and her trial, as she should, right? Two, she also refused to take the oath from the inquisitor at the trial. Um, three, after around 20 people analyzed her book and studied the 15 or so points in it, the trial then declared them heretical and false, which I'm mad as hell about because if you actually read it, she has so many good points. But, you know, church and men, she was given the option of admitting guilt, recant her ideas or withdraw her book completely from circulation or last but not least cooperate with authorities which guess what she also refused to do <laughs> she was stubborn as hell but then again i mean it's kind of I, I don't blame her you know anyways after all of this she was considered guilty of heresy and was described as a pseudo mulier which is just a translation of fake ass woman <laughs> by the church and therefore was then burnt at the stake as a result. People at the event were permanently shocked as to how calm she was, despite being two seconds from meeting her end. But I guess when you're in God's hand like that, you really have no fear, you know? Anyways, she died on the 1st of June, 1310, in Paris at a, a plaza called Gravi. Conclusion. Her book then circulated, continued circulating, anonymously for a long time it's still circulating so i guess you could say she wasn't too bad of an author <laughs> it was so anonymous in fact that at one point many people had confused the author of like the original author of the book 
and they had confused her for John Rusbrowick, which her French transcript was then translated into Latin, Italian, and Middle English. So, yeah, pretty, pretty cool. And only generally popped up, published later on in 1965. So, a couple hundred years later. <laughs> and, yeah, that that's probably it. Um, that was a very short one. Now, that was officially the end of this woman's tragic story of creative and spiritual journey right i hope you enjoyed the episode to its fullest and you are completely welcome to leave feedback down below let me know if you would like to know about a particular historical figure or institution we could go in depth with institutions because i have a bone to pick with institutions (laughs) anyways that maybe from like a different continent or wherever you may live locally all answers are completely welcome and appreciated so once again thank you sending you love and blessings. Goodbye.